diese Folge von Das passt zu Frau wird Ihnen von Busterhalten von Grace präsentiert. Jetzt in klein und groß, schwarz und weiß erhältlich. Für alle Ihre Bettvernisse zur Haltung der Bösten. Herr Brandon, sind Sie frei? Ich bin frei! Hello, my name is Jeff. Und mein Name. And I'm Brandon. And this is That Does Suit Madam, a podcast about Are You Being Served? It's German Week! German Week! Ah, everyone's so excited! Oh my gosh, This German Week is like the most famous episode of the show, and we finally got to it! Woohoo! I have my Riesling Hello? all flowing over here. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, listeners. Hello, Hello unanimous. unanimous. Can you tell we're excited? We're, we're so excited to finally get to this quintessential episode of Are You Being Served? Um, you know, I, we, we talk about... Uh, trying to explain the show to people, and they talk about the lady with the funny hair and the really campy guy. But when you actually and talk then they talk about, about Mr. Humphreys and not me. <laughs> nah. um, I think this is the episode that everyone knows, and yeah. um, it really does. Um, I think define the whole series. Yeah, I mean, at this point, what is a season three episode? Whatever you know, like, is it season three? I'm, there's so many of them, I get Did lost. It? Yeah. Dos ja, das gut ja. I know like four words of German. Um, but so the cool thing about this episode is that by the time we get to season three, episode six, I think it is, German week, the characters that audience loves, they know that Mr. Humphreys can come out in short shorts and they'll eat it up. They know that Miss Brahms is like a sex symbol. They know that Miss uh, Mrs. Slocum is really good drunk they know that mr uh, captain peacock excuse me captain peacock um wearing a funny outfit he does not like although frank thornton pulls that shit off so this is just like the cool little cherry on top of the cupcake for are you being served so this is a really cool episode so you guys are in yeah. for a treat yeah and especially all of our new listeners who are just joining our podcast Uh, we want to say thank you to Edna and Trisha for discovering us and tuning into us. And we've just got some new listeners from Germany and Poland this week. Hello. Hello, hello. So please forgive us for our terrible German pronunciation. I will say because Jeff is Professor Jeff, he's very good and he has been coaching Brandon here. So, um, yeah, but Poland and Germany and uh, Israel and New Zealand and Canada and everybody. So, hey, so uh, you're all in good company. Uh, I also wanted to give a shout out to Mr. Gregory from Facebook. Uh, thanks for commenting. Uh, you can join us always on Facebook at uh, slash that does suit madam with an E. Uh, but Gregory uh, thanked us for our episode on the wedding bells, which was last week's episode. Such a good episode. Molly Sugden, amazing. Um, but we spoke a lot about voter suppression because our other super fan, Kimberly, left us a message on the Peacock hotline, 662-PEACOCK. Uh, and Gregory talked about his episodes of voter suppression in Colorado. And luckily, he said for the last five years, they've had voter um, ballots come in the mail. So that's what he's going to do in 2020 when he hopefully votes again Donald Trump. So that was great. So thanks for the, thanks for the message, Gregory. That's good to hear about. So your weekly reminders, wash your hands, wear your mask, Black Lives Matter, and make sure you register to vote. Yes, and you will be hearing more from that, from us about that as we get closer, I think, right? 
until November 3rd. Oh, but, you know, it's, it's a good thing, so. In the meantime, we have German wine to sample. We have shaving brushes for our hats and lots of strumps. I have my strumps on. Do you have do you have yours on, Jeff? No, I'm doing a little fry a corpa today. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I just don't have socks <laughs> on. But we're moving on. So anyway, oh. um, when was this episode premiered, Jeff? So this episode <laughs> premiered on April 3rd, 1975. And uh, that week in the news, um, Cambodian President Lan Nol had fled the country after Khmer Rouge, or the communists, uh, took over a critical supply line to the capital. Kind of a weird so, week to be in Cambodia, I imagine. Yeah. Um, uh, in happier news, uh, the CN Tower in Toronto was completed that week. You can't win them all is what I say. Well, at least we know that the good people of 1975 had this episode of German Week to cheer them up. You know, it's such a good and fun episode, but they're, like, what hit me this episode, Jeff, and maybe we didn't really talk about it much, but the anti-German feeling kind of was, like, sticking in my craw a little bit. Like, I don't remember that. Uh, and I guess as a, when I was a kid and now that I'm an older and, you know, we're thinking about division politics and all of this, I keep thinking about, wow, World War Two was, what, 1975? So that was uh, exactly 30 years before. And all of the right. people being portrayed in the show and the actors, you know, like Mr. Granger would have been 60. So he would have been middle age, you know, early middle age back then. During the war and like all of the people in the audience that, you know, the episode camping in, which was another amazing episode, which we covered already. They sat around telling um, World War Two stories, war stories, you know, yeah. and like especially if you go if you're an American and you go to Britain, London, there's nothing but war monuments as far as you can see. And this was 30, 50 years ago. The show almost seems to be bridging a gap between the old school Captain Peacock's world and the young people, like Mr. Lucas, Miss Brahms, even Mr. Humphreys to a certain extent. You know, like we're kind of casting off the old stuff and kind Who of... Who didn't grow up with the memories of the first-hand memories right, of like the war. Right, like that's what our parents talked about. And that's kind of the 60s and the 70s and the counterculture and stuff. But yeah, like the anti-German stuff. And then you hear, uh, was it Rumbold or Captain Peacock say, we're all in the common market now. We're all on the same, we're all on the same side. Right. I mean, well, I think that, I think your point about uh, the timeliness of it is, is really important to keep in mind here because yeah. it had only been 30 years. I think what stuck out the most for me in this episode is the amount of German slurs that they use. <laughs> and, yeah. And, um, and even when they're not intending them to be slurs, right? Like right off the bat, Mash uh, is delivering uh, the hats. Right. Uh, and he, he calls them um, kraut titfers, right? So titfers is actually Cockney rhyming slang. Tit for tat is hat. Oh, you're so good. I didn't, I would have never caught that. So kraut right. is a... A slur for German. Right. And so that's just everyday parlance as as another adjective for German. You know, he's not he's not saying that to be derogatory, but later on you do hear um, words like Bosch and Jerry, yeah. which are used you know a, a, in a pejorative sense. Yeah, and um, it's it, it's just so, so very blatant and easy for them to say that it's not like they hesitate and try and joke choke on the word or even. Even say it in a fit of anger, right? If you think about the episode when um, my favorite episode above a German week is the one where Mrs. Slocum is going to get married to Mr. Metaxas. Oh, and she good finds one. out 
she finds out that he's already married, she shout she shouts from off screen that day go bastard. Oh jeez. Right? Because she's she's upset with him. Yeah. And so that that at least has some context about why she's using that slur. But here you're just describing the hats. Why can't you say German? Yeah, I th- right. I think I mean especially you know as we always say it's fifty years old. Well, to that to yeah. that end, Brandon. So is there any context or is there any situation where okay. a television comedy that's being made today would use a slur for someone's heritage or ethnicity, and it would be acceptable? I certainly hope not. A lot of those jokes are like, oh, I mean, I see what you were trying to do there, but yeah, maybe you shouldn't use those words for those people. So I think TV today, especially when we look back in the 80s and 90s, you know, like, I would hope that there would, a, a TV show today wouldn't even go there, you know? Yeah. So, so maybe these jokes fall more into the category of, uh, yeah, I don't even know. I don't know if I can put them into either didn't age well or should have never been. Yeah, I mean, I wonder place. if there's a third... I'm not sure, but it's it's. I, I think if if these jokes were made today in a modern audience, and they were calling them um, all the different derogatory yeah. words for Germans, I think the audience would laugh. An American audience, anyway, they would laugh nervously, almost like on SNL Saturday Night Live when I agree. people make a joke that crosses a line, which is what they do all the time. Is kind of a, that's their yep. mo. The people will laugh out of nervousness. It would get it would get a nervous laugh. Yeah, I think and I think right. a lot think of those right. things just points out that the older generation—that's what they might use for Germans in 1975. Yeah. You know, so yeah, so so it's weird. So may, we'll, we'll we'll see as as we walk through the episode, but I think probably most of this fits into that and doesn't age well. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. So. We, we, we jumped a little bit into the episode, we but did. the whole, Whoops. the whole, um, the whole point is that, um, young Mr. Grace has started a campaign to push German goods for a week for some reason. We don't know why. We don't know if he's got a little German girlfriend on the side <laughs> or if he's got some investments <laughs> in the Bavarian forest, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, so MASH comes up and delivers, uh, hats uh, and they're the stereotypical hats of what do you think of when you think of a, a German person wearing it. It's that Hamburg type hat with the big brush. It's what it. the cuckoo clock people wear on the cuckoo clocks that come out, right? Right, right. <laughs> uh, and so those are called uh, Tyrolean hats. And so they're named after the Tyrol region, which is actually in um, northern Italy, the part that's very close to Switzerland. So it's not even in German in Germany. Uh, but, you know, they're also very popular in Bavaria, which is the south of Germany where Munich is. Oh, okay. Uh, so the brush is called a Gamspot, and it's made from a goat's beard, and it's used as a hunting trophy. Oh. So it's so not a shaving bi- brush. It's not really a shaving brush, right. So the bigger your Gamspot, the um, more manly and more virile you think you are. So it's like overcompensating, like with a sports car. Well, I saw Mr. Humphrey's gums bar, and it had a nice little swirl. So who knows what that means? Um, So the entire first half of the episode is them playing with the props of the German goods. And making fun of German words, frankly. 
and making fun of German words. And as a language nerd, even as a kid, I've always been a language mm. nerd. I think that's one of the things that really drew me to this episode is them playing with language, with a foreign language. Yeah, yeah. And and all of the 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 puns with the English words and and the uh, uh, and the confusion there. Uh, Mr. Humphreys takes out an evening stick that has a saw and so, a sword inside, uh, which would come in quite handy for fighting your way to the bar at the interval, <laughs> which is the British word for intermission. Intermission, uh, like a show or something. Yeah. You know, I wanted to right. say. I was kind of struck at how they were just making fun of funny words, you know? For us Americans, like, 50 years later, like, all they say are funny words to us nowadays, right? Um, right. It, essentially, just as you said, the first, half of, the first half of the episode is like, strumps, what a funny word, Bustenholter. I love hearing her, Mrs. Slocum, say that. But it's just another language, and I kind of... Like, I don't think, t- like, as we said before, I don't think today people would make fun of... Funny sounding words like people don't say, um, you know, like uh, the French word for slipper, like the your house shoe is pantoufle. I don't think people would make fun of that on TV, right? Well, I mean, I think there's there's a couple of things going on, right? There's the first bit where you get German words that sound like other English words, which are humorous. So the whole bit with like Zex Unterhosen oh, for yeah, well, sex <laughs> and, and Ausfart for eggs. Sounds like fart. Right? Yeah. Okay. It sounds like fart. So there's that bit there. <laughs> but then there, there's, I think that people will still laugh at today because people will, people love a fart joke. Right? <laughs> I'm laughing right now. But, <laughs> but I think the thing that they, that, that wouldn't get a laugh necessarily is um, the first word that we're introduced to where Mr. Lucas is like, hey, do you know what the German word for cufflinks is? Manschettenknopfe. And it's like, okay, so the word is long, and it's got some sounds in it that the English doesn't? Like, what exactly is humorous about that today? And that's definitely, it just didn't age well. Yeah, I'll also say, like, I mean, you're like Mr. London expert, and you love going and visiting all the time. I think of London in 2020, 2019, of course not this year because we can't, right. are, we are not allowed to go as Americans because we're all horrible at COVID um, in this country. But um, I think of London and the UK in general as a very metropolitan place. Like you could be walking down the street and there's like a woman from Nambia walking past and a woman in a, a burqa. And then, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Where's Nambia? <laughs> Is that in between Namibia and Gambia? Oh, <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Geography is not my high point. Uh, it's speaking with funny accents. Um, I like pie. Yeah, Ghana. How about Ghana? <laughs> Lovely green Ghana there. gown or something. Um, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> nice save, Brandon. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, but like what my point is, it just seems like a metropolitan place. There's like people speaking all sorts of languages. And in New York, you exactly, have that too. Yeah. I, I, I think that the UK was definitely less multicultural than it is today. Um because of the European Union, right? Yeah, they, which they reference they in the show. In, right. Uh, they, you know, uh, they were constantly exposed to everything being in 26 languages yeah. when dealing with the EU, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, there, that idea of having to be a multilinguistic society uh, was introduced as the European, you know, communi- as the common market became the European community, became the European Union. So it's interesting. So, this is one of everyone's favorite show, and it was. We'll we'll probably talk later that this was 
the Australian version of Are You Being Served? This is one of the episodes they did, and then the this is the pi- this is the pilot. The pilot and the very failed American version called Beans of Boston. They basically redid yeah. German Week. But when we crack under the surface, and that's what's cool about this podcast is that we give ourselves the the breathing room to explore stuff. There's a lot of stuff going on in German Week, right? It's very of the times. And once we kind of peel that layer back about politics and geopolitical stuff, and you know, multicultural London, Britain, or not, maybe, back then, so. Well, I think one of the reasons why this served as the pilot for the Australian version and the American version is not only because it's it's funny, but um, the entire part at the end with the dance, you don't need to rely on language or even kind of culture at all, right? You see, You hear the music, you see people doing a slapstick dance <laughs> yeah. for about two minutes. And it's easy to laugh at that, you know, yeah. especially when um, they get into a slap fight. Yeah. And we'll, we, we're, we're rushing ahead of anyway, ourselves. It's we'll my, fault. It. my fault. Anyway, um, so going back to um, Mr. Lucas and his Manchettan Knöpfe. Um, so here's the deal with German and why they've got all these really long... Lay it on us, and, Jeff. And so why it sounds so humorous to... Uh, uh, English-speaking years, right? So English, <laughs> so English is an example of an analytic language. So is Chinese, right? Okay. Um, synthetic languages rely uh, rely on either inflection, which means changing the word endings or beginnings. Okay. Or agglutination, which means smashing the words together, in order to convey the relationships. Of the words in the sentence, which is classically German, because like German has super long words. You get these, and, yeah. s- ex- exactly right. G- could you give us an example of Professor Jeff of a German super word that is sure maybe more handy that they have the German speaking world that we don't? Well, okay, so let's take now. let's take a look at Mr. Lucas's uh, Menschenkanoffa. Oh, okay, right, all right. So uh, it's, you could break it down into three parts, right? So the first part is mancheta, which is the word for cuff. Okay. And so that comes from the French word manche, meaning sleeve. Okay. And then et, like a little, like, do you mean? Like a little, like a little sleeve. Like little, like a little sleeve, right? And then, so that's the word for cuff. Then you've got this N in the middle, which ties the two words manchette together. Manchette-in. Manchette-in, okay. right? And then knopf, which is the word for button. So like a button that you use to button your shirt okay. or a button that you'd press as like a doorbell. And then when you make it into plural, the knopf becomes knopfa. And so you run it all together and it's manche and knopfa. Little Whereas cuff buttons. Li- little, little sleeve buttons. Jeez. Uh, Where, okay. whereas, in Eng- whereas in English, we have two separate words, cuff links. Okay, well, yeah. we appreciate your five stars for um, so, complimenting Jeff on his professorism. So enough about the <laughs> linguistics. Um, Mr. Granger is complaining because he doesn't like the idea, and he says we not ought to be we ought not to be in the common market, which is the prede- one of the predecessors of the European Union. Do you think Mr. Granger would have voted Leave? Oh yeah, back absolutely. Twenty fifteen. So I will give like my very ignorant explanation what we're talking about when we say we ought not to be in the common market the european union so okay let's back up for a second 
The United States is 50 states. We're one big country. We can like move stuff around. We can trade between different states. If I have a company and I'm selling strumps, I can sell it to any of the 50 states and I don't have to worry about like um, import taxes or anything because we're one big country, right? That's great. There's a lot of people who can buy my strumps. In Europe, each little country is the size of like Alabama. I mean, not, not so much, but pretty small countries. No, pretty small right? countries, yeah. So when Europe was trying to compete with America, with the United States rather, they said, you know, we're a bunch of little small countries. If we all got together and instead of having like each little country has its own tariffs against British butter and Spanish bell peppers Olives. and jer- you know, blah, blah, yeah. blah. We could kind of do what the United States has done in a way and basically say we have one big economy. Um, and then you take that, and of course it didn't happen overnight, but that's essentially what, what Mr. Granger is saying, the common market. He doesn't like it because of reasons, but the common market was adopted, including the UK and all the countries in Europe, not all of them, but most of them, and they kept adding more and more. And that eventually grew to become the European Union, which politically was sort of like the United States. Like, we're one big country, but among that, we have individual states which in, with individual governments, like the state government of New York or California or Iowa. So anyway, so that's what they're talking about. So, so as we all know, there's a huge big referendum. When was that? Twenty was that 2016? 2015. 2015. They made their mistake in 15. We made our mistake in 16. Yes, we uh, we're not Trump fans on this podcast. Yeah. So they had a referendum. Should the UK remove itself from the European Union? And that's probably a different time and place for that conversation as to why they did that. Long story right. short, they voted to remove the United Kingdom from the European Union. So it's interesting that we're kind of, they're doing that right now. And Granger was like, we shouldn't be in the common market. So if I, I would pr- propose, he would have voted if not 130-year-old Mr. Granger was around, he would have voted to leave the Brexit vote. He would have wanted to leave the European Union. So, so which other characters would have voted leave, and who else would have voted remain? Let's work our way up. For let's work our way up. Mr. Lucas, how would he have voted? I think I kind of want we ha- we can spend twenty seconds on what a leave vote meant and what a stay vote meant. Why don't you take those? Okay, I think that Mr. Lucas would have voted remain. Because then that meant he would have been able to travel freely. There'd be more He's, women uh, for him to go pursue. Exactly. Because exactly. he could exactly. he could travel more freely to France or to Belgium or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I will also say there was a very definite racist kind of we should leave there the we should was. leave the European Union. There was a racist component to it. They said like. We should remove ourselves from the European Union so all these foreign people would leave. Well, haven't we heard that before? So, <laughs> do, do, do you agree that Mr. Lucas would have voted to remain? I think he would remain. He sounds like, I mean, the misogyny and, like, the jokes about intimidating women aside, which is a big aside, he sounds like he's a pretty metro kind of guy, metropolitan kind of yeah. person. Mr. Humphreys, okay. Mis- definitely, he would love to go to... The, the Greek Isles for his holidays. He, he's definitely, he's got a friend in the Greek Isles. <laughs> he's got a friend he's got everywhere. A friend, he's got a friend in Malta. <laughs> I he definitely would be remain. What about Miss Brahms? Um, I don't know. Um, 
This is a very interesting question. I, I get the sense that she would vote leave just because she didn't know better. Because her character did not appear to be very educated or even very curious around, about the world around her. And I think she would have heard a lot of anti-immigrant sentiment in East London back in those yeah, days. true. And then voted for it, and then two weeks later figured out what it really meant and would have regretted it. I agree. And, and I will I say, um, I think I can speak for both of ours put both of us on the podcast that we would have are you, are you unanimous in this i we are in, unanimous in this thank you very much uh that we would have voted uh adamantly stay in the european union anyway back to our favorite comedy fun Yay, television funny show. shows <laughs> so uh they're they're still unpacking all of the goods and um on the ladies counter they see that they have a package with sechs unterhosen excuse six me six underwear i'm not selling german sex knickers sex knickers um, I so, laughed out I loud think, when I heard that. You know, I think that the using whenever there's any kind of comedy that involves Germany, using the German word for six is a trope yeah. that everyone is going to do. You know? So um, we have our first Germans walk in. Ironically, Germans just show up on the scene in Grace Brothers during German week. I don't think we had any German people before, but hey, why not? And who are who are these mysterious German people? Deutschlanders. So the husband is played by Ernst Ullmann, who was born in Cairo and grew up in Austria, hmm. so actually is a German speaker. Okay. Uh, and, and he was on one episode of Dad's Army. Oh, the other so, show that um, the creators of the show made as well. That's cool. Yeah. And who is the so, other person, Jeff? Well, she's this little-known actress. I don't know if you've ever heard of her, but her name is Joanna Lumley. Yay! Joanna Lumley! Um, second appearance on the show... Uh, I think this is how she really started to um, make her way into my heart because obviously I saw this way before Absolutely Fabulous was even a glimmer in Jennifer Saunders and, and Don Frenchard's And of course French's she plays eyes. the fabulous Patsy, Patsy Stone in right. Absolutely Fabulous where if you're a gay man, you need to know that show. It is required viewing. Yeah. It, well, not even it just is, gay men, people in general, the whole world over. It's really good. Yeah. So she must have been like, I don't know, 28? Or something? Something uh, like young, that. Like I feel woman. she was like, you know, in her mid-twenties when she was the um, his and hers girl. And I will say, yeah, she was, she was the perfume, the scent lady in his and hers. And so Ernest Ullman, native German speaker, I, that's convincing. She is not. She's like a British, no. like a London lady. And she was so convincing as a German. We are here for the buying of no, the house, she- tweet. She was so not convincing as a German. Seriously? She was very clearly playing at what she thought a German accent would sound oh, like. Oh, well, hmm. Right. I mean, they, they, I the, script writers did, <laughs> the, the, script, the script writers did a very good job of trying to mimic what a German speaker would think of in terms of English grammar, like in terms of the I am for a coat looking or I am knowing this, right? That is very a word for word. It's called a calc, C-A-L-Q-U-E, when you translate the grammar word for word, right? Mm. Um, so, you know, via here for the buying of the house tweet, you know, that's grammatically, if you were just to, tra- to drop in the German uh, counterparts of all those English words, uh-huh. it would be grammatically correct in German. German week, German <laughs> week. Mrs. Slocum uh, tells Miss Brahms that there's only two things she likes about Germany, Kurt Jürgens and Gorgonzola. Uh, Gorgonzola, unfortunately, is not German. It is Italian. 
Uh, and Kurt Jurgens is an Austrian actor who went on to be the villain in the 1977 James Bond film, The Spy Who Loved Me. Ooh. Yeah. I want to go jump back to the German couple really quickly. Um, I thought it was kind of almost going back to that anti-German kind of thing from 30 years ago in World War II. I, I, want, to be, I want to be fair. It's not anti-German. I think it's anti-Nazi. I want to make that distinction here. Um, well, the, the characters don't. Right. No, of course. And, but, you know, right. in 2020, I think we should make that distinction. Um, right. It was interesting how they were depicted as kind of very rude, abrupt, very quick to become angry. Like, all of these kind of stereotypes you might have heard of. What did you think? Did you notice that? Like, those, those customers, the way they were written? Um, I, I did notice that the co- they played the customers as very cold and very abrupt, you know, in terms of, you know, not wanting to be uh, making small talk or playing. Yeah, just quick to and get angry and storm right. off. Yeah. But, I mean, but if you think about it from the viewpoint of the customers, they're visiting England and they want <laughs> to buy, only buy have German stuff. <laughs> yeah, they want to buy English goods and English souvenirs and they're trying to push tacky German crap on them. Yeah. Right, yeah. exactly. I liked how Mr. Humphreys, um, of course, you know, it then became like a German pride, English pride kind of thing. And um, uh, what was it Mr. Mr. Granger said, are you not proud to be German? Of course we are proud to be German. Are you not proud to be British? And then Mr. Granger, uh, Mr. Granger said, oh, yes, of course we're proud to be English, aren't we, Mr. Humphreys? I love how they always have to look behind them and get like, isn't that correct, so-and-so? Don't you think? Isn't that right, Miss Brahms? And then Mr. Humphrey says, bursting with pride. <laughs> Which, of course, I think of LGBT pride, but this is not the time when they would think that way. But it was just so cute that he kind of said that. So, bursting yeah. with pride. So, anyway, German Week is not off to a good start. You know, they're, um, they're having a meeting after work to kind of see how the day goes. And... Um, Mrs. Slocum is complaining about the fact that they're sitting on their jaxies for a post-mortem. Just like her jaxie full of vaccine from the other day. Right. And, she, and she complains that this sort of thing just isn't fair on my pussy. Ding. And this gets one of the most raucous <laughs> laugh responses from the it audience. Does. Because there's no setup. It, it no, just it, smacks it came it out of face. nowhere. It came out of <laughs> nowhere. So hysterical. She has to go with the furniture if I'm not prompt. <laughs> so stupid. So Pretty hysterical, right? <laughs> um, so they find out that no one has any, had any success. The only thing that they sold in the entire department was Mr. Granger sold one pair of socks or strumpf. And they love uh, saying the thir- word strumpf. It's like pets. their favorite word, right? Right. Um, and uh, Miss Slocum is, is complaining. She doesn't want to participate in this all. You know, some of us have long memories. I haven't forgotten being flung on my back on Clapham Common by a landmine. Well, that was the German Air Force, and the other time she was on her back was the American Air Force. Uh, so what is Clapham Common? Is that a person, place, thing, animal, mineral, or vegetable? It's, it's a park in South London. Okay. So, yeah, because the south of London was bombed by the Germans. Um, yep. And here we have Mrs. Slocum saying, I remember when the Germans were bombing us, when the Nazis, I'll say, were bombing us. And now 30 years later, she has a grudge, Right. And I wanted to say here real quick, um, when I was in London, the first time ever leaving the United States, uh, I had my brand new passport. The photo was terrible, but I was like, I'm going to go to to London. I'm going to go see where they made Are You Being Served and all my favorite British TV shows and the Big Ben and all that. 
I was, I was a young guy. I was 20-something. I'm sitting by myself, and this older lady walks by, and she's probably in her mid, late 70s. And I'm sitting there, and she kind of sits across from me, and there's like a table. And you kind of encourages conversation. And um, she strikes up a conversation with me, which is kind of a rare thing, wouldn't you say? Which is so anti-British. Like, when you just said, like, oh, the table encourages conversation. Like, where have you I know, been? I know. But um, this woman, she was, I, I don't know if I was, like, I must have been looking out the window, like, astonishingly. Like, oh, my God, you know, where everyone else is just like, oh, it's just London. Um, but she was sitting there and, you know, she's a very lovely lady. And, um, she said, I have a feeling you're not from here. And I said, no, I'm not. I'm American. And I've just landed a couple days ago, first time abroad. And I love London. She's like, oh, thank you very much. She, she felt it was a compliment to her, to her city that it was meant to be. And then I said, you know, I really love, um, oh, and she said, oh, you're American. So does that mean we're buddies? Which I thought was so sweet because that's a very American word and, you know, you know, I don't think British people call each other buddy like we do. So it was very sweet. So I'm like, okay, I like this lady. So then I said, you know, have you lived in London your whole life and getting to know her? And she said, yes, um, I've lived here all my life and my name is Florence. Florence. She rolled her R's like Mr. Rumbold. Like the city in Italy, she said. So sweet. Of course, I think of Florence Henderson, which kind of ruined the moment. <laughs> but anyway, so the point is... Just, just have a just tranquilizer, have a tranquilizer Mike. Mike. Yeah. So anyway, um, I said, you know what I love about London? Because I live in New York City, and it's, everything's very, very new, and we don't really appreciate history like you do in Britain, which British people love to hear. So I'm just... She's my best friend, my best buddy. And um, I said, I love the history, but I also love the modern buildings. And I love that in London, which is kind of a thing, you have very old buildings, old architecture, next to something very, very modern, which we don't really have in New York because we're not that old of a city compared to London, right? So I, and I said, I love the different type of architecture that you have in London. And I said, like the Gherkin, I think it's beautiful. And the Gherkin is a building in, I guess, the middle of London, I'd say, that's very architecturally striking. It looks like a cone that's been tapered at the very top and they have these beautiful bands that kind of twist as they go up this giant glass structure. So if you've not seen it, I would, I'd, I'd encourage everyone to go just Google Gherkin Building London. It's really pretty. And at the time, it was even newer than it was now. This is probably like 2006 when I'm, I'm here in London. And she said, you know, I disagree. I forgot how she said it, but she didn't agree with me that she liked the Gherkin. And I said, why is that? And I, I told her, tell me, I would love to know your perspective. Why is that? And, you know, again, very, very unusual for a woman to open up to a stranger like this. Um, she said, well, I am 79 years old. And I was here during the war when the, the German bombers flew over London and dropped bombs on the south of London. And right above the area where they built the Gherkin building bombs were dropped there. So I know all you young people love the modern architecture of the building, but when I see it, I picture a bomb falling from the sky just before it hits London. And if you ever want to have another perspective on a building, I will always think of Florence, wherever you are, Florence, London. I hope you're kicking and having a great time. But I'll always think of that woman when I think of the, of the Gherkin building. Um, yeah. which kind of goes back to, you know, she was there. Mrs. Slocum was there. All of these people were there. Um, 
So I think that's, as Americans too, like it's easy for us to forget that London was bombed by the Nazis. Like they, you know, Pearl Harbor, 9-11, those were terrible, but man, London. So it's interesting that when you, you can still have little flavors of that sentiment today and people remember. And that's something that British people do very well is they remember. And that's what Mrs. Slocum says. You know, she yeah. does. She. Some of us have long memories, and so we see. We see this conflict starting to build. Is you know that they that there's some members of the department who don't want to sell the German goods. Um, yeah. You know, she she says, "I think I'm unanimous in this," <laughs> and she looks over to Miss Brahms for approval. Yeah. Um, you know, you've laid your hands on some very coarse Buston halters, Mister Rumble. <laughs> so with that, why don't we head down to the canteen for a tea break? I. I think that would be lovely. What are you going to get? You know, I thought I saw the manageress advertise that she was going to have some Krote im Loch, uh, which I think might be quite tasty. Yes. <laughs> well played. Well played. I have to do that. I'll get something. I'll find something. Maybe just a cup of tea. Schnitzel. Schnitzel. Uh, we'll be right back, and hopefully the uh, manageress is off today, but we'll be right back from the tea break. Hello, Unanimous. This is Mr. Brandon. And this is Mr. Jeff. Did you wake up this morning and think, how could I support my favorite podcast while also letting the world know that I'm a proud member of the Unanimous? Does your morning coffee vessel leave you feeling neither one way nor the other? Perhaps your smartphone cover fails to confirm your charm, personality, vitality, and youth. Worry no more. Visit our That Does Suit Madam online bargain basement shop. They've just come in. You could buy your very own That Does Suit Madam official tote bag. A handbag? Or an official podcast sofa pillow. Perfect for hiding your Paddington bear. We sell a fashionable face mask and a celebrated coffee cup. And of course, t-shirts. But don't worry, you'll find the sleeves right up with wear. Support your favorite podcast with some That Does Suit Madam merch. All at imfree.threadless.com imfree.threadless.com And you've all done very well. Well, okay, guess who had a day off today? Diana the manageress, yeah. That cow manageress. So it was a lovely, actually, a little lunch break, a little tea break, didn't you? Well, what did you have, Jeff? I had toad in the hole. So if anyone speaks German, you heard right, I had toad in the hole. Krote um Loch. Krote um Loch, Something. Yeah. Toad in the hole. What about you? What did you end up choosing? I had spatzel. I couldn't think of the word. I wanted to say, like, spatula. I don't know what I wanted to say. I ate a spatula. I have to All say right. it's my favorite dish so far. So, so far, German Week in the canteen is a raving success. So, we come, so. We come back in the second half of the episode, and Mr. Rumbold is uh, trying to get Mr. Grace down to the floor so that he can see the rehearsal. Um, uh, you know, they've, they've, cu- they've cooked up this scheme where... They're going to give uh, the whole German attitude a j- jollier, happier affair by doing a German dance and having German costumes and German wine, etc. So we're giving we're giving alcohol to the to the customers. Right. That'll make it a success. That'll make them want to buy stuff with right? costumes and songs. Yeah. I wish I want to. Sh- I wish I could shop at Grace Brothers. <laughs> I would totally go shopping at Grace Brothers just to see Mrs. Slocum drunk. Yeah. <laughs> wish we get to see. So we oh see. My God. We see Mr. Rumble's secretary, Miss Thorpe come down come out and she's dressed in a dirndl 
Um, if you think Durndle. of the St. Pauli's girl costume, you know, think about a man in lederhosen and what does the woman wear? It's called a dirndl. You know, the, the dress with the tight laced up bodice, etc. With her decolletage sort of on full display for Captain Peacock. Her decolletage and all of her breasts. Just like spilling out <laughs> over the top. Yes, um, overflowing. Um, she's going to be handing out the drinks at the wine bar. Uh, Captain Peacock mm-hmm. comes in for a private word with Rumbold, and he's obviously distracted by Miss Thorpe's breasts. Um, yeah. He feels that his costume doesn't give an air of authority, as it should. And we can we, can we describe? Uh, he's in, you know, he's, in he's, he's in He's in Lederhosen. He's in Lederhosen. And because Which, he, and because Lederhosen are traditionally worn above the knee, and in English culture, you don't wear short pants above the knee after childhood. He doesn't right. think it gives him the air of authority. So Rumbold says. Rumbled says you could wear a, a bigger brush in your hat. Yeah. I love the joke where he, so Mr. Rumble, uh, Mr. Captain Peacock, excuse me, says, uh, Mr. Mr. Rumbold, you said you'd find something that gives me the air of authority. And, well, I'm getting a lot of air, but not very authority, <laughs> talking about his shorts. And, of course, you see Frank Thornton's, like, kind of skinny little, like, legs, and uh, it's really cute. At one point, as he's walking away, uh, Mr. Rumbold says, what's that creaking sound? And he says, oh, it's my lederhosen, Mr. Rumbold. I haven't broken them in yet. And he kind of does little mints of his legs, and it's very Mr. Humphreys. It's very cute. Yeah, that's Frank true. Frank Thornton's awesome. That's true. There's, yeah. there's, you'd expect that kind of move from so uh, of his hips to be coming from Humphreys, yeah. Yeah, when you take that jacket off, you know, yeah. he's uh, funny. He also, uh, Captain Peacock lets Mr. Rumbold know that Mrs. Slocum has spent the last 30 minutes away in her dressing room sampling the German wine. So we get a setup here that we know we're going to get a drunk Mrs. Slocum. Oh, God. She's so good. So back on the floor, Mr. Lucas comes out in later hosen as well, and he yodels for Humphreys, who peeks out from behind the curtain and then comes out to the reveal. He goes, yodel, 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 and then Mr. Humphreys says, like almost like I'm free. Humphreys' shorts are way too short. He's got... (laughs) Lots of embellishment and embroidery on his shirt. His flowers all over his braces. His shirts, his shorts are so short that he's walking bow-legged to the center of the floor. How short are they? They're so short they make his eyes water. <laughs> What's so funny is later in the episode you see Miss Brahms come out wearing the exact same outfit, and you know they said, "All right, John Inman." can you put these on and still walk? And he's like, I'll try. And hey, let's make it part of the thing. You know, they're literally wearing the same shorts. And if they're ever, maybe this is something the podcast can organize in the future when we go become wildly successful. Maybe we should put on, you know, once COVID's done, put on an are you being served convention? Why not? I say, let's do it, Jeff. We can have the old Simpsons site in London off Piccadilly Circus. Um, and we could have a costume contest. And this would be, Mr. Humphrey's outfit would be my cosplay idea for the first Are You Being Served convention. Are you with me, people? Brandon has called it. Please do not what copy do this costume. All rights reserved. That's right. And uh, we do not represent the BBC. And we really forgive us, BBC, for trying to make a thing. And also, we do not intend to take over the Waterstones on Piccadilly. Yes, so, we have no copyright claim on Watchstones or their subsidiaries. Um, <laughs> Just ignore everything we say legally for the rest of the show, people. Miss Brahms comes out in her costume, <laughs> and she goes, Oh, I feel a right fairy. And Mr. Humphreys goes, Well, aren't you the lucky one? Um, now, what does that mean? Why would she say, I feel a right fairy? Well, it's she, because she, she feels stupid. Because she's dressed in funny clothes? She's dressed in funny clothes. She feels stupid. 
She feels like she's going to get made fun of, right? Oh. But okay. the one who's going to get made fun of is Slocum, because she comes out of the fitting room with her hair in two pigtails at a 90-degree angle from her head, like Pippi Longstocking. <laughs> she's swinging the wine bottle back and forth like she's singing a sea shanty, and oh, she's humming the dance music, right? <laughs> She sees Mr. Lucas and Mr. Humphreys in their costumes and just cracks up in a, the <laughs> drunkest laugh. Like, just, and she's she's in full drunk mode, right? Which is my favorite. So, she, oh my god, it's so good. She's trying to say, "I think this wine is very innocuous." Like, she's trying to like blend together two words, like <laughs> intoxicating and noxious. But she ends up saying a word that sounds like innocuous, which means not harmful. So there's so <laughs> many layers into her slurred, yeah, yeah, yeah. Her slurred malaprops. And then she says, I think this hat's too... She says to, Miss, to the secretary, I think this hat's too tight. It's making me feel quite dizzy. <laughs> and then, of course, as she does, and she looks at Miss Brahms, she's like, Miss Brahms, you've not been in the German wine, have you? You're rocking You're swaving about a lot. She's kind of like going... <laughs> It's so cute. So Mr. Lucas sees, all right, well, if, if uh, Betty's been at the, the drink, well, why not? In for a fennig, out for, in for a pound. So fennig is German for penny. That's where that comes from. Oh, yeah. I was wondering what that was, yeah. fennig. Okay, yeah. interesting. Uh, and so Mr. Lucas and Mr. Freeze grab the, drink, the glasses, and they start chanting a drinking song, and they cheers. And Mr. Lucas's glass breaks, but Mr. Humphreys doesn't. And, and did you notice like, how Mr. Hump, John Inman looks at Trevor Bannister and he kind of gives a funny little like, like, what do smile? I, what do I do? Do we like, you know? He's almost like, I, do we keep going? So he, he, yeah. he, he, he kind of hides it in his hand and actually crushes it with his free <laughs> I know, hand. I know, it's so cute. Because yeah. he's got to hand the handle over to Lucas in order mm-hmm. to do the juggers bit where he sticks the two handles out. Guess who I am? And who happens to walk in at that very moment? Juggers. Nicholas Smith. Uh, Mr. Rumbold, and I swear to God, I've never heard the audience erupt into laughter. It was the perfect timing. And he, you, see, you see Mr. Lucas with these, like, mug handles up to his ears. Guess who? And then Mr. Well, <laughs> Mr. Rumbold walks in have we with es- his ears. Have we established Jug Ears as a nickname for Mr. Rumbold yet? I don't know. The bell says so. <laughs> this, this, <laughs> Whoever their name is. <laughs> it, it, might not, it might not actually be a thing in the Are You Being Served universe yet that Mr. Rumbold hmm. has jug ears. Ah, so and then, of course, Mrs., Mrs. Slocum is continuing to get drunk. And at one point she says, twiddle his knob, somebody. He's out of focus. Which is just so funny. Because she's just so drunk. She's slurry she's and gone. blurry. She's out of it, right? Yeah. So, um... <laughs> Young Mr. Grace arrives, and the men don't want to do the dance. And so Mr. Captain Peacock is arguing with Mr. Rumbold, you know, we don't want to do the dance. The men are behind me, to which Mr. Humphreys pipes up, true. True. <laughs> I don't really know what that means, but well, cause I like it. The men are behind him. And it is a pen that has to do with Oh, men. when Jeff said it, now, audience, yeah. unanimous, it hit me. Okay. Um... But it turns out that Mr. Rumbold would have to pay for the band out of his own pocket, and then he's going to deduct their wages 
um, from the, the gentleman's apartment. <laughs> and of course, everyone's very yeah, happy to we'll, do it. We'll do the dance, fine. <laughs> so they start off the dance, and Brahms and Miss Brahms and Miss Thorpe are paired together. Mr. Humphreys and Mr. Lucas are paired together, and Mrs. Slocum and Captain Peacock are paired together. And they're doing this dance, which is called a shoe platla, which means a shoe slapper, literally. Mm, and okay. it's a German. So it's a real. It's a real. It's dance. a real dance. It's a German folk dance. It's like from the like eleventh century, um, oh and it was designed so the women could twirl around and show off their dirndl. Like as in, which Mr. Humphreys does, of course. Well, Mr. Humphreys isn't wearing a dirndl today, but well, he uh, does do a nice twirl. He does a very fabulous twirl. <laughs> right? um, I think it's so cute that Mr. Humphreys and Mr. Lucas always dance together. Yeah, I, I right? agree. It's cute. I agree. Yeah, um, and so they they do they, they have this whole bit, and um, the part of the dance is designed that uh, because it's supposed to be designed for a traditional German band, which doesn't have any drums in it. There needs to be some kind of um, percussion from the dancers themselves. So they do that by slapping their chests and slapping their shoes, as well as or snaps or slapping something. each other's face. Right. So, and the in the sixteen in the fifteenth and sixteenth bar of the music, there is a face slap. And so this is the point where <laughs> you get you get all the physical comedy boiled down into these two minutes of the dance. Because basically, it's so short. Every thirty seconds, they're slapping each other in the face. The 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 end scene is they they do the dance, and uh, young Mister Grace is like, you know, I made up my mind, scrap the dancing, we're not doing it, we're out of the market, we're back to selling English goods. And Mister Lucas is like, oh, but we were just getting into it, and they do the dance again, uh, and getting ready for the old, uh, for the end credits. And have you ever noticed whenever they do a dance, they always do it twice. They always do it twice. And um, that's our episode, folks. Quintessential episode. A lot episode. of stuff happened with this episode. Yeah. The common market thing, the anti-German thing, the jokes, the dancing, the costumes. The, um, I, I, since I just watched the episode, I have the German song in my head now. Da, 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 da. Yeah, <laughs> that'll be in your head all day. So good episode, though. Great episode. Great episode. Great episode. Yes. Um, so next, next week, week, we have what? Next week is shoulder to soldier. Yeah, nope. Next week is shoulder to shoulder. Soldier to soldier, <laughs> the militaristic episode of fighting. So, sh- shoulder. Right? I can't say it now. Shoulder say to it. shoulder, uh, which is the episode where they decorate half the department. It's all new wood. Right? Is that the one? <laughs> That's the one. Ding. Okay. So if you've Gosh. got something to say, you could tell us on Facebook or on Twitter, or you can write us an old-fashioned email at that does suit madam with an E at gmail.com, or you can call the Peacock Hotline. It is a local number. You do not need to call overseas to Germany to get in touch with us. <laughs> so that anyway. is 662-PEACOCK or 662-732-2625. Cool. Thanks, everyone. We'll talk to you next week. Auf Wiedersehen. Our feet is end. Bye! That Does Suit Madam is not endorsed by the BBC and it is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Are You Being Served is a copyrighted program of the BBC. Ugultik Winterbotten.